Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. Welcome back, episode two with Harley Abrams, operations manager from Super Speed Golf. Now, if you've heard a few episodes of Pit Stop, you know that I love talking about anything international, especially as we come up into the summer and some of the nuances of just marketing towards different regions. And Harley is going to chat a little bit about that going and buying other international distribu- distribution partners, maybe some strategies to leverage sales internationally, deal with all the hiccups and issues that come there. And if you haven't checked out Super Speed Golf, it's a way to train and build your rotational muscles. So it's basically like a golf club with a weight on the end, but because it's long, it's hard to ship. Harley, welcome back to Pit Stop for episode two. Thank you, Lucas. Appreciate it. Looking forward to trying to get you some super speed in Canada here too. So me too. Me too. Bo- perks of the uh, the job, but also it's dangerous when I look at my credit card statement at the end of the week because it's uh, you can buy a lot of stuff as as research and development for for podcast guests. For, for sure. So uh, I would love to just hear a little bit, A, how you chose to go international and how you focus on on that and maybe any advice that you would have for, for other brands. But then I'd love to just hear about what it's like to buy out a distribution partner and then essentially make them employees. Yeah, so it's really interesting. It's, I feel like it's a very unique strategy too. Um, even a, large, a lot of the large OEM golf brands really don't employ this kind of business model where... In the past, you know, we did as pretty much everyone did. You know, you sell the you sell to your international distribution. You know, whether it's an individual uh, in some smaller countries or if it's just a typical distributor um, where they have connections with pro shops in the area, uh, and you just kind of sell to them and you kind of have quotas for them per year, and you don't, you don't you don't touch it, right? Um, but we wanted to take a more active role because we feel like in house we explain what is super speed and why is it useful better than anyone else, and we really see an increased sales when when we get in front of people. Uh, people just kind of get it and go, "Oh wow, yeah, I'm gonna hit the golf ball farther." And everyone at golf wants to hit the ball farther, um, so it becomes a pretty easy sale, and that really lends to us um, on the distribution end too. Whether it's to green grass in other countries, big box, direct to consumer, or anything. Um, so what we did actually at the end of last year is that, so we went ahead and with our partners who have been working with for quite a while in Europe and Canada, we actually essentially bought out their businesses and now they're full-time super speed staff running the operations, sales and distribution in both Canada and Europe. Uh, and so there've been a lot of similarities in how each, uh, each regions come together. Um, but there's certainly differences too as well. So I don't know if you want to talk about how what we our e-com strategy in those places is first Lucas or kind of some experience just on you know getting over the hurdles or whatever you want to talk about first in there that'd be great I would love to hear about launching an e-commerce brand that that exists into another country and just some of the hurdles there of what it takes and I know that us to Canada can be okay because there's a land border and it's pretty close but what about anything else going to to Europe yeah, for sure. So we're really focusing on where in the past we had one website, right? You had a U.S. site and everyone could buy from there. 
but it wasn't so clear as you know what uh, what currency am I purchasing in? Uh, even if you do have the currency selector on the bottom of the site, it still wasn't the most intuitive. Or you know, you go, what's my final landed cost? A lot of time it wasn't clear. You know, are, are these duties and taxes included? Am I paying more when it shows up at my door? Um, so that's one of the things the customers really didn't know. And so we're trying to make that clear and just by having a localized site in every location. So pretty much same information on each site. A lot of the content, though, will actually be region specific. You know, when we work with a European tour player, it'll go primarily on either the European site or the UK site um, and so on. So, But we're really focusing on having each site independent of itself um, be its own you know, one-stop shop for anyone in the area. So we use even use Shopify's uh, wholesale section for a lot of our green grass customers in each region. Um, so we'll have that set up individually. But then what some of the struggles have been for us is really just, um, as I'd say, marketing at super speed, while we're very good on the social media side, some of the digital ad spend is something we're a little bit less experienced with. And we actually just hired a new uh, employee to help us out with some of that. Um, but really focusing on making sure SEO is crisp on every site, that you really have clean lines of, you know, search lines when you're not cannibalizing other pages. You know, if someone's looking for the training page, we don't want to send them to shop and vice versa. Uh, so that's really crucial and important to us on each site. But then also just little hurdles like, you know, how do we get a Shopify payments account set up uh, in the UK if we don't have a UK business uh, and things like that? So, you know, trying to minimize costs by reducing, you know, we don't want to be paying international card transaction fees. Um, you know, so try, you know, each little percentage obviously adds up when you're trying to sell internationally. Uh, so really focusing on making sure, you know, we get payments accounts set up properly. SEO has been huge on both sites. And then one of the areas we really have focused on is really our map pricing. And in Europe, it's a little bit different. There's some laws over there where map policy you can't enforce like you can in the U.S. What? Yeah. Is that minimum advertised price? Yeah, exactly. So minimum advertised pricing. And then so in Europe, it's really RRP or recommended retail pricing. Uh, because in, in Europe, you actually can't. You Basically, it's illegal to tell someone you have to ch charge X price. Um, so over there, it's really just focusing on, you know, Asking our suppliers, saying, "Hey, this is the price you're gonna you're gonna sell best at. It's up to you as to what you want to list the product at." Um, but making sure, yeah, which I've never understood why people break uh, minimum advertised price. It's here we're telling you this: you don't need to sell yeah. it for less. You're you're literally eating your margin if you sell it. Yeah, for less. I, I think it just comes down to a lot of people see some inventory sitting there, and instead of trying to compete by making their you know by creating a better buyer experience, um, you know, getting their listings out there more and spending advertising dollars, you know, it's easier just to compete on price, right? Um, so un unfortunately, that's that tends to happen a fair bit. But that's what vetting your partners ahead of time really helps you with is making sure that they have a proven track record of you know selling premium products and doing it at whatever that price point is for each product instead of just going, you know, your bargain basement sites and going, hey, we offer the cheapest of everything. It may or may not be good. It may or may not be real. Um, but making sure we go, you know, use those right partners there. But yeah, getting back to the, the really the international expansion, um, it, it's been really interesting for us too because so tax liabilities are, are a huge part of this as well, right? 
um, and figuring out with both the uh, the EU government, now the UK post-Brexit and Canada, where do our tax liabilities or where do our, you know, where are, what what is taxable of what business we're doing in each country? So we've actually had to employ accountants in each region as well to help us out with this. Um, as, you know, I, I'm no expert in, you know, in EU VAT law. Um, and, you know, and in Canadian tax law. So uh, it's been really crucial for us to find people who know what they're talking about in this sphere and make sure we have everything right from the get go, because you don't want to get into a point where you're performing business illegally and have to pay fines. And you obviously just want to make sure you're minimizing your, your costs here, too. And you don't there's not additional taxes you should have been charging, but you're not charging um, that once the cust- when you have to raise prices, customers go, hey, what's going on? So just really having a good handle on those tax laws has been really crucial for us as well uh, in really every region, even including the U.S., but talking about international expansion especially. Yeah, I can it, – it's hard. Especially Canadian taxes are pretty straightforward, but even the hassle of going state to state and then going international and, and everything else is just something that nobody wants to deal with. One question – I have for you is how does regional SEO vary from from site to site? What are some of the nuances there? Yeah, so that's a good question. So really, it comes down a lot of times to who our competitors are. Um, so in our competitors in the region, a lot of it, a lot of time, and there's so either there's different lingo in each country, right? So one of the things that people tend to call us speed sticks. Um, we're, we're super speed golf, but um, speed stick is actually another country. So making sure in the U.S. because there was a commercial that played on the Golf Channel a bunch of years ago for the speed stick was the name of the of the product. Um, yep, and it's also a brand. Of it is, yeah, mistaken, yeah, exactly. It? it is, yeah. Okay. So making sure we're we're not looking for hygiene products, we're looking for golf and stuff like that. But yeah, so really a lot of it is localizing it based on who our competition is. We know that, you know, let's say Speed Stick in the US is an older product that people used to buy. We're going to make sure that we're really focusing on a lot of those keywords uh, in our SEO there. Whereas in Europe, right, there might be a completely different set of competitors and making sure and in even terms people are using for our product. We're lucky that golf has a fairly common lingo across the industry, at least in English speaking countries. Um, so focusing on some of the same keywords there works. But really, when it comes to other regions in our U.S. speaking golf countries, it's really just focusing on who are your competitors there? What other terms are people using to search for golf swing speed and really targeting those? No, I think that's really smart. Um, I didn't even think of the the nuances. And it reminds me of my, one of my first jobs doing social media monitoring. And a brand like McDonald's, you think McDonald's is McDonald's, but in the US, it would be searching for terms like golden arches versus in Australia where it's called Macca or right. McDonald's and even the, the brand misspellings yeah, of it. it. Exactly. I mean, and that's the same. It's really – like I said, golf, we're a little bit lucky. There's not too much of that. But yeah, just call. we have to understand what our customers are calling our product. You know, we call them super speed clubs, but people call them speed sticks. So exactly, just understanding what your, what your consumers call you um, because the message you're putting out and the branding you're putting out might not be what the average consumer sees it as. No, I, I love that. And I think that's a good place to wrap up for the next episode. We're going to be talking a little bit about blended distribution channels. So as your mix of distributor to e-commerce shifted from about 85% distributor to 15% direct consumer to 60% to a 60-40 split, we're going to be talking about some of that in the next episode. So make sure you're subscribed.
You can't control the route your boat takes from overseas to bring your products to your 3PL to get picked, packed, and shipped, but you can choose your 3PL and you can choose ShipBob. Joining over 5,000 other merchants who have joined their global fulfillment network and over a 99.5% accuracy rate when they fulfill orders. Don't leave your logistics to chance. Head over to shipbob.com to learn a little bit more. Triple Whale is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewhale.com and sign up today.